What is up, Goal Line listeners? We are back with the season finale of the debut season of the Goal Line. We had an instant classic last night in our first Goal Line Super Bowl with the uh, the Chiefs and, and Niners really just burning it down there in Las Vegas. We're going to discuss all aspects of the game and the fallout, take a little look at where these teams are heading for next year, and offer a way too early Super Bowl prediction. But first, let me introduce my partner in crime, Jordan. What's going on? Yeah... Fucking Super Bowl Monday is like the worst because it's like setting in like football's over. You're extremely hungover and you have to go to work. You're going to feel like crap the entire day. But luckily we had some uh, goal line to record tonight to kind of get me through the day today. Little chaser action. Yeah. How was, we'll, get, we'll get into the game. What was your overall Super Bowl experience yesterday? Um, it was, uh, we had a good time. Um, we went over to some friends' houses and they were, uh, a couple of people that were 49ers fans. There was no Chiefs fans, which was shocking. Honestly, it was the weirdest fucking thing ever, but, um, it was good, man. We ate a lot of food and drank a lot of beer and some whiskey and yeah, it was good. We had, we had a good time yesterday. How about you? Uh, we kept it low key, just stayed here at the house, watched it with the kids, but the kids stayed up for the game with us. Stella went to sleep uh, right after the halftime show, but Brett stayed up through the whole game. He really, he really got a kick out of just seeing all the pageantry that went into it. And and they really enjoyed Usher's uh, halftime show, surprisingly enough. Usher was good, man. I, I couldn't believe how many people I saw that were being negative about it. I was like, dude, what was there to be negative about? He killed it, I thought. I think it had to have been the younger, the younger fans, maybe, dude. Because the one thing that was surprising to me, I thought it was great as well. You know, we kind of discussed it last week, what we thought it was going to be like. I was surprised at how much he leaned on the old stuff, man. I thought it was going to be really heavy on the stuff from like 2013 on, like the the OMG, you know, the, like the house music type stuff he's been doing, yeah. um, the, the EDM stuff. But it was really, really light on that, man. He really kept it to all the stuff like for our generation, which uh, which was nice, man. I, I enjoyed it, but I think maybe, maybe that's where some of the critiques came from. Jermaine Dupree coming out like he was going to sign the Declaration of Independence. Like, I don't know what the hell he was wearing. Uh, but, dude, seeing Luda and Lil John and Usher on stage at the same time was like, it's like, damn, dude, I feel like I'm back in high school again. Like, this is this is awesome. I, I loved it. I thought it was great. You know, I thought the one, it, it, this isn't like a unique thought. I saw this popping up a lot uh, shortly after, man. I really thought they missed out having a home run cameo by getting Bieber up there with him, dude. I think I think that would have took it from being a really, really great one to, to a legendary halftime show if he would have had a surprise Bieber cameo. Especially considering he was there. Like, dude, he was at the fucking yeah. game. Maybe yeah, Bieber like didn't want to do it. Yeah, I know he's had like some health issues and stuff over the last couple of years, so maybe he just didn't feel like he was up to it. Because as far as I know, I don't think there's any bad blood between those guys. No. And uh, and the the idea had to have come up. It was too natural. You know, for those that don't know, uh, you know, Rusher is really the one that kind of discovered Bieber and kind of brought him to the mainstream. So, yeah, that would have been neat. But other than that, I thought the halftime show was, was pretty cool. I thought the arena looks great also. Um, you know, I'm cool with – I think Vegas definitely belongs in that permanent rotation – uh, you have with, you know, Los Angeles and, and New Orleans and Miami on just being, you know, every few years they're going to get a Super Bowl. And then you kind of have the one offs mixed in. But I, I enjoyed the Vegas Super Bowl. Yeah, everything. So I was like kind of just sitting there yesterday just thinking about it. Like, imagine somebody 10 years ago ago told you that there was going to be a Super Bowl in Vegas. Like, I, I don't know, man. It just kind of you had to like soak it in yesterday. Like, yeah, dude, the gambling capital of the world is hosting the biggest event in the world right now. It's just it was so awesome. And 
Yeah, it was a uh, the sights and stuff were just so cool, and there was just so many people everywhere. Like I-, I loved it, man. I I would be down for a Vegas Super Bowl like once every four years, honestly. I think it's gonna happen, man. Yeah, it is crazy, and you know, also that we got the freaking the Vegas Raiders now, just because. You know, if you're a newer fan, you don't know the dude. Like for the whole time we've been like growing up, sports in Vegas has been completely taboo. The professional sports leagues have been absolutely like petrified at putting a franchise or really doing anything, you know, associated with Las Vegas. It's really been the last five, six years that they finally embraced this gambling thing, which, you know, in a lot of ways kind of drives a lot of the uh, the casual fans in America, the people that aren't just in it for the love of the game. They're usually trying to get some action in on these games. So it's been nice to see. I never really understood what a big – I didn't think it would be that big a deal having a team in Vegas because, like, internet gambling has been a thing for, you know, basically decades now. So glad to see them finally kind of kind of get past that. I think one of the things, too, is, like, Vegas is just – it's just such, like, a, the city – I mean, the, the Strip is the city of Vegas. Like, if you're, if you're going to Vegas as a, a tourist, like, you're staying on the Strip or Fremont Street – and I just think they were like really worried about building stadiums right there. Cause I mean, dude, the Vegas strip is not a clean place. Like that ain't somewhere you take your kids and have them enjoy it. Like now it just reeks of weed. They, they still hand out like the prostitute cards and stuff like that. Like, hell yeah. I just, I, I don't know, man. It just, I think that was one of the biggest things is cause like, dude, the NFL prides itself on being like family friendly, NHL, same way, baseball, same way. Like, Vegas is not family friendly, dude. Like walking down the strip, I can't even like imagine taking Zoe there. I mean, shit, dude. I can't even imagine taking Zoe there when she's like 22. Like that even is <laughs> going to make me feel uncomfortable, honestly. Yeah, I've actually never been, man. I've never, I've made it 39 years without ever going to Vegas. So I don't know. I feel like I need to go. I de- definitely need to make it happen at some point. We're going again this year because uh, Falcons play in Vegas. So there's no way I'm missing that. Even if the Falcons are terrible, I'm still going. Before we get into the game, this will be the last question, man. I thought about this last night. I was going to text it to you, but I was like, you know what? Let me let me just wait and ask him and get his live response on the ear uh, on the air. Um, how does it make you feel, man? You've been, you know, a diehard Falcons fan for over thirty years, living and dying with this team for three decades, man. Um, meanwhile, all the Swifties didn't even know that football existed three months ago, and now. They've all gotten to see their team win a Super Bowl, and you still haven't, man. Yep. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. No response. No, that's the most jackassery thing you've ever asked me on this fucking <laughs> podcast. I should fucking cut my mic right now. Sorry for stating facts, man. Where was there any lie in that question? Let's move on. All right, let's get into the game. I feel like I've thrown off your vibe for the rest of the episode. Nope, now. We're good. Right. But before Are you dark Jordan. Nope. We're good. But before we get into the game, I do want to mention one thing. Cause we forgot to mention it on Friday night. Um, I want to go over the hall of fame class of 2024. Cause this is, uh, this is going to be up there for one of the best hall of fame classes in my opinion. Um, so it was Dwight Freeney, Devin Hester, Andre Johnson, Julius Peppers, Patrick Willis, and then uh, the two senior members that got inducted were Randy Gradishire and Steve Mongo McMichael. So, Mongo, dude, this is like just with the the three non senior members that have played defense: Dwight Freeney, Julius Peppers, and Patrick Willis. That's like a Hall of Fame defense with just those three guys. 
Yeah, you can put any other eight scrubs around him and you're still balling. Yeah, great class. I was, I feel like pretty much all those, you know, the two I think were borderline was Andre Johnson and Devin Hester. Um, Devin Hester is such a unique one because, I mean, he's the greatest return man in NFL history, but if you look at it, it all really happened in kind of a two-year run, dude. It was really like 06 and 07. He absolutely set the world on fire. And then teams just straight up for, you know, the next eight years, they changed the way that they played special teams anytime he was at, you know, at the receiving end of the ball. But I still think, you know, those two years were so impactful. Um, and he's just a legend, man. I think he's, you know, there's been a lot of great return men. I think the fact that he being the greatest return man ever, I think that's what punched his ticket, regardless of anything else you want to look at, like, you know, the longevity and whatnot. Um, and then Andre Johnson, dude, just there's such a clog of great wide receivers right now. Um, you know, Reggie Wayne's kind of right there in that mix with him also. Uh, can't quite get over the hump. But I think Andre Johnson, the thing that played in his favor is, one, such a uh, he was so physically dominating, right? Mm-hmm. He was just a beast out there with the the size, the, the height, and the uh, just the, the weight, man. Like he was all, he would have been a tight end, you know, in a lot of – in a lot of different lifetimes, but played wide receiver and was incredible. And he had, you know, not that Matt Schaub was a scrub, but he was definitely a B level quarterback that Andre Johnson played with basically his entire career. So I think that's why he kind of moved to the head of the head of the line from some of these other receivers that have been uh, right there knocking on the door the last couple of years. Yeah. I think what you said about Devin Hester is accurate, but I also think what you said about Devin Hester is the reason he is getting in. I mean, he literally changed the way teams kick off. Like, they, yeah. they had to change the way they played football because of Devin Hester. Like you couldn't just like randomly throw out like a short kickoff. Cause he was housing it for sure. For sure. Like there, there was always a strategy to it. Like, dude, there was one season where I remember seeing a couple teams that just decided to kick the ball out of bounds rather than give it to him. Like on yeah, a kickoff, don't even risk it. on a kickoff. So they're getting the ball at the 40 and that's a better option than kicking it to him. Like it's insane. Yeah, he was the freaking man. Glad to see Mongo finally get his due also, man. You know, Mongo's got ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Sucks, man. Been in pretty poor health last couple of years. I'm, you know, I think he's actually in the hospital right now, oh, man. Yeah. He had pneumonia a couple months back and hasn't been able to get over it. So hopefully hopefully this news brought him a little bit of joy and stuff, man. And I'm glad, you know, hate to be morbid, but I'm glad that he got this while he was still here with us, you know. Yeah, he's definitely uh, – he's got one foot in and – one foot out not, not i mean not to, like you just said not to be morbid but dude i saw that video of him that day and good you Lord, never know it was him man, man. That, that is bad he was dude. he was such just a big presence man like if you saw him back in his his football days and a lot of us younger fans really know him from being a wcw commentator and wrestler back in the late 90s he was, he was a four horseman with rick flair and just such a big larger than life presence man um just seemed like he was the life of the party kind of guy and yeah it's it's horrible just seeing you know i mean he's kind of just withered away uh just a nasty nasty disease man sad man it's just time goes on more and more uh, the people you saw when you were a kid just sucks um all right let's go into what did not suck uh let's start talking about the game um we're we're gonna do this kind of quarter by quarter just kind of um, to get your feel on the game and just both me and you can talk about it. So the first quarter yeah. started off 49ers drove right down the field. Like I'm not shitting you the way that they drove downfield with absolute ease. I'm like, Oh my God, this actually might be a massacre. And then McCaffrey fumbles and just the rest of the first quarter was 
I, I mean, it was just like stalemate football. Yeah. Uh, I thought you could definitely tell the classic Shanahan, you know, this goes back to his dad, Mike Shanahan. They always, he's the one that kind of made famous scripting the first 15 plays on offense. And you can just tell that they really get that thing dialed in, man. Cause they, they typically always have a good first, second drive. Um, and yeah, they, it looked like they were just cruising, man. And then out of nowhere, a guy who fumbled, I, I think the stat they gave last night was he had 400 touches this season and fumbled three times. So not a fumbler, man. It was just, you know, one of those, one of those plays got hit just right. Ball comes out and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. It's kind of a recurring theme, man. The Niners kind of just kept making mistakes that allowed the chiefs just enough life. Yeah. Um, we don't really need to go into too much more from the first quarter. It was just, what wasn't it like the stat was the 49ers had like 125 yards and the chiefs had like 14 or something like that. Like it was insane. Yeah. Time of possession, the number of plays yardage, like absolutely dominating first quarter uh, for the 49ers, but you know, didn't put in up any points still ends up zero zero at the end of the first. So then they, we start the second quarter and the 49ers get a field goal, a 55 yard field goal, the longest field goal in Super Bowl history at that time. Um, with seven seconds off the clock in the second quarter to make it 3-0 um, 49ers. Dude, there, this was kind of the point where I was starting to get some bad vibes from the, the Niners. I'm like, they are just not finishing drives already. This is not a good sign. Um, and, and I'll give them credit. The Chiefs defense balled out. Like, they played really good football. And But this is where I was starting to get vibes. Like, uh, this ain't going to be the Niners night. Um, followed up with a, a Chiefs drive that came off of the Mahomes 52-yard pass to Nicole Hardman, which that was one of the most incredible cross-your-body, cross-the-field throws that I've ever seen, and it was a dot. Like he yeah, just dropped it in a freaking bucket. Right in. Uh, and then next play, Pacheco fumbles. Another guy who does not fumble. <laughs> yeah, it's just absolutely insane. Um. Let's talk about uh, the Niners' next drive where they scored a touchdown. Or no, I guess it was a couple drives later, but either way. The Niners' drive where they scored a touchdown on that play that they threw the ball to Juwan Jennings and then threw it back to Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers offensive lineman literally drug Chris Jones to the ground in front of the ref (laughs) and nothing was called. But this is one thing I'm going to say about the Super Bowl last night. I will give the officials credit. They called it pretty evenly both ways. They didn't call any holdings on either team. So, I mean, if you're if that's what you're going to do, like just stick with that and I was fine with it, honestly. Yeah, they were they were definitely letting them play on both sides of the ball, man. I thought the I thought the Niners should have took advantage of it more often cuz their interior offensive line was getting wrecked all freaking night. Uh, you know, Chris Jones seemed like he was in the backfield every big pass play almost immediately. Uh, and like you said, it definitely went both ways. There was holding all over the place on that double pass. Um, there was a couple times I saw Nick Nick Bosa straight up in a, a chokehold, yeah. man, trying to get back to Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah, I, all things equal, man. I'd, re- I'd rather see the refs just uh, just call it. The double pass was cool, man. I, to be honest, like, I almost felt like it was too cute like because it was risky, man. Like, that easily could have oh. been a disastrous play. And I felt like the dude, it seemed like every time they handed the ball off to Christian McCaffrey behind Trent Williams, they were getting four or five, six yards of pop, man. I, I don't know why they didn't just keep pounding the rock again. You know, I, I hate it sounds like I'm being the fun police, man. Like, you know, why did they run this trick play? But it seemed like really risky. But hey, it, it worked out, out, man. And next thing you know, the Niners got a got a 10 point lead in the Super Bowl. 
I don't think that's you being the fun police, because honestly, I said the same thing. Like, McCaffrey had 30 touches in that game for 160 yards, and I'm not shitting you. I felt like there was numerous times where I was like, why is McCaffrey not touching the ball? Why is McCaffrey not touching the ball? Um, So, okay, so it's 10-3 at halftime, and this is like the point where I'm like looking around the room at everybody, and I'm like, God, it feels like the 49ers should be up like 20 points right now, and they're up seven. Like, I just, I don't know, man. I was not getting really good vibes at that point at halftime. I've been saying this for the past month, too, about the 49ers. I do not understand their usage of their star players, dude. Kittle caught two balls for four yards in this game. Like, I just I don't well, the, get it. The O line was struggling so much. He didn't go out for a lot of passes, man. They were having to leave him in the block. That was the that O line was struggling so badly, especially on that right side and the interior. That a lot of times he was just staying in the block instead of going out and you know running routes, dude. So again, I think it was the Forty Niners O. If you had to point to one unit, I think it was the Niners O line that that really really kept them from from making this a, a relatively easy victory. Debo was bad in this game too, dude. I don't know what the hell was going on with him. I know he he went to the blue tent at one point, but they said he was completely fine. Man, him and IU combined for six catches for 82 yards. Like that ain't going to get it done for this team. Like there's, there's just, there's no way. Like they seemed like there was very little, it it was not very often last night that Purdy was chucking it to, to wide open receivers. Right. That's kind of been the, the reoccurring criticism on him all year is that, you know, he's throwing the ball to, to wide open guys with this offense. But, dude, there was almost no separation last night. Like, the, the plays they were completing, it was tough, challenging throws. Um, yeah, hats off to the Chiefs, DB, the Chiefs DBs because they had those guys on lockdown last night. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very interesting. So, fast forward, third quarter starts. Chiefs get the ball right out of the gate. I'm thinking, all right, here comes the tie game. Incorrect. Patrick Mahomes throws one of the worst balls I've ever seen Patrick Mahomes throw. Um, they pick it off, get the ball at Kansas City's 44, and do not score a point. Like They had to capitalize right there, man. Even just getting a field goal would have helped, dude. Not capitalizing off that. You basically, like, you know, you get the, the Chiefs collectively were allowed to give it a big sigh of relief, right? Like, hey, we dodged that because that really could have been disastrous coming out of, uh, you know, coming out of halftime with that. Yeah, I agree. And then both teams traded punts. Um, then we get the Chiefs' long drive that resulted in the 57-yard field goal, which is now the longest field goal in Super Bowl history. That's insane to me, dude. A 55 Kickers were on it last I, night. I, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, that's insane to me that there had never been a field goal that long in the Super Bowl, and we get two of them in the same game. Like, that's that's insane, man. But, yeah. Yeah, especially with the last decade, man, how uh, the kick, you know, the 50-yard field goals have become much more common. Uh, you thought we would have seen one by now. Hey, you got to backtrack a little bit, man. You left out an absolutely critical moment in the second quarter when Dre Greenlaw, uh, oh. you know, tore his Achilles just jogging onto the field. Dude, that was like one of like the worst things I think I've ever seen in the Super Bowl. Like he didn't do anything wrong. He was just getting yeah. onto the field and went down and you could tell it was bad immediately. Just that's what they came back from commercial break to to show us. It's like, oh my god, dude! And dude, you know, not to give my final analysis just yet, dude. But I really think if I had to put it on one thing, I think that cost him the game. Let me give you this stat, man. Found this uh, while I was researching this more. So his uh, his backup came in, Oren Burks. All right, 
After that, from the time Dre Greenlaw went down to the end of overtime, Oren Burks was in the game. He was targeted nine times. Guess how many catches he allowed? Nine. Nine. The the touchdown pass uh, that they had right after the um, right after the punt return, he was supposed he was one that blew uh, basically broke down that coverage to allow a wide open receiver. QB rating going against him was one hundred and thirty four point seven. Um, so yeah, just, and, and Dre Greenlaw, the one that he's known for is being one of the best like pass coverage linebackers in the league. So the, the drop off was intense after, after Greenlaw went down. I feel like that was a huge point, but I feel like this was the, the point where I knew the 49ers were probably doomed. The 49ers came back out after the, the chiefs field goal to make it 10, six went three and out immediately chiefs get the ball back go three and out punt the ball and the returner oh. just drop just straight muffs it right through his hands giving the well, ball. no it hit off uh that's not what happened remember the punt returner was waving everybody oh, yeah, off yeah, yeah, yeah. and it bounced off one of the guys you know totally you can't even really blame anybody on this man like he's trying to block and the ball just yeah. drops down hits off his heel takes a funny hop and then yeah you know the the returner couldn't really feel it man i mean it would have been it would have been if you know he probably should have had it dude but you can't really get mad at him like if you've ever played football it's tough catching him off like a short hop like that like you know with the way the ball bounces and stuff and yeah that's one of those things man like freaking you look back like all the patriots super bowls almost all of them you could point at like one funny bounce or something that if it goes a different way i, th- I think back to that julian edelman catch on the last drive for the patriots in the uh, or the second to last drive for the Patriots in the Super Bowl against the Falcons, uh, you know the the interception that they had against the Seahawks there at the goal line last year. Jalen Hurts fumble on that snap, man that that crazy bounce right there that just absolutely swung the game. Yeah, so Chiefs run one play from the sixteen, get a touchdown to Valdez Scantlin of all people. Didn't see that one coming. Um, <laughs> Okay, so at this point, I'm like, dude, they're on life support now. Blew another 10-point lead. Momentum's gone. Going to have to talk about that after we're done talking about the game. Shanahan and these double-digit leads in Super Bowls. Like, I don't know. Um, So the 49ers actually respond and go on a really long, impressive touchdown drive to make it 16-13, get the extra point blocked, which another moment that completely just changed the game because – now at this point, all the Chiefs need is three to tie it. So, yeah, it, that God, dude, I felt so bad for the 49ers at that point. It's like it's changed the whole dynamic, man. It, it ended up at the at the end of it. It kind of, in a funny way, may have actually helped them. But you never know what would happen in, in between the the very end of the game and that if that if that extra point doesn't get blocked. It just changes the whole energy. Yeah. So then the Chiefs drive down, get a field goal, make it sixteen sixteen with five forty nine left. At this point, I'm like, dude, if the 49ers can go on a long scoring drive at this point, like they should be in decent position. Well, they did go on a pretty long scoring drive, kicked a field goal to go up 19-16 with 157 left. God, dude, when there was that much time left on the clock, I was like, there. You knew it was fucked. over, dude. I thought I was shocked it just went to overtime. Yeah, I was. I thought the Chiefs were going to score a touchdown. And that was the end of the game. Like, just you knew they were going downfield with ease, and they did. They just. Yeah, chucked it downfield uh, with just absolute ease, and yeah, it's uh, yeah. So we go to overtime, and, and not to salt this over. This game, just so we're we're clear here, this game was excellent. Like this, 
this was one of the better Super Bowls in the last 20 years. Like, I really enjoyed this game. Well-played game. Like I said, there's some stuff you could point out that the Niners did, but for the most part, I thought that, yeah, the Chiefs kind of just were just a little bit better on this day. Let me ask you this before we move to overtime, man. So the Chiefs get down there. They had six seconds left on that uh, when they kicked that field goal. Do you try – if you're Andy Reid, do you try to get one more play in, or do you think it was, it was the right thing to do to kick that field goal mm-hmm. and take it to OT? Because mm-hmm. I was thinking they may take another shot to just try to end this thing right here. No, because, dude, any, like, freak thing could happen. Like, what happens if, like, somebody blows their block and Mahomes gets hit as he throws and the ball goes fluttering into the air when you could have just tied the game there? I wasn't surprised that they didn't run another play. Like, I I agree. Maybe if you don't got Mahomes at quarterback and you're not not as confident taking it to OT, maybe you go ahead and try to win it right there. But, yeah, I think with Mahomes at QB, you go ahead. Why why take a chance on losing the game right there if you don't have to? Yeah, and you know your kicker's making this field goal. Like, Butker's basically automatic inside of 40. Um, Okay. So, this is where I just still am baffled today. The 49ers win the toss. And take the ball. What the fuck are you thinking? Like, d- dude, there's there's no fucking way. Now with the rules the way they are, and now it came out today that none of the 49ers players even knew that that was a rule. I saw, I saw that. And all man. of the Chiefs players said they, they met about it and talked about it two or three different times. Like, th- yeah. this is the OT rules in the playoffs. Not, not a good look for the Niners. Dude, that's a horrible look for Shannon. When they took the ball, I was like, what the fuck are they thinking? And everybody around me is like, what do you mean? What are they thinking? I'm like, dude. Both teams get the ball no matter what. Like, there, there is no touchdown ends the game. Like, this is stupid. This is incredibly stupid. Because now you're... I agree. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, did you see Kyle Shanahan's uh, explanation today? No. He said, I, I, I was kind of with you, man. Um, but a couple factors. I think this one's forgivable, and you kind of just got to charge it to the game. Shanahan said that he wanted to make sure that they had the ball first if it went to sudden death. That's why he wanted to take it first. He said we could put the pressure on the other team, and then if they go down and match us, we, we're the first team to have the ball in sudden death, which I, I kind of get that, dude. I mean, me, I'm taking that ball second, and if we get the touchdown, we're going for two, and we're just ending it right there. And I think that the Chiefs come out and said that they'd already had that discussion, so they'd already talked through the overtime scenario. They already knew that if, they, if it went to overtime, if the Niners scored a touchdown first, they were going to go down and score, and they were going for two to win it right then and there. Um, so I think that kind of plays into your hand, like, you know, the players just playing with more confidence and stuff. The other thing you got to remember, dude, the the Niners defense had just come off the field after giving up a, uh, you know, a, basically a 60-yard drive in the in the two minute drill, dude, and I think that defense was pretty gassed. I think that showed up in overtime also. So I think you know, taking into that account, you know, you got an absolutely tired defense and about the sudden death stuff. I can kind of forgive it. I still probably would rather put the ball, you know, give the Chiefs the ball first if I know it's not a sudden death scenario. There is zero fucking chance I'm taking the risk of Mahomes getting the ball last. Zero fucking risk. There's zero chance yeah. I'm taking that risk. Like, and there was a bunch of people around me like, oh, the clock's about to run out. I'm like, dude. The, the clock doesn't even need to be there. I yeah. don't even know what the point of the clock is. Basically another game. Yeah. The, the game doesn't end. Like, they're going to go – this could go 27 overtimes. It doesn't matter. Like, this game's not going to end. The clock doesn't matter until you get to the end of the second overtime because if it runs out with a tie at that, then they do another kickoff. It's basically like halftime again. But I don't know if we'll ever actually see that – see it get that deep into it. Um, yeah, I'm with you, dude. You really don't want to give the Mahomes the, the – 
the ball with a chance. The other thing, man, if you take out the tired defense out of the equation, I think the other advantage of getting the ball second is you know what you got to get and you're in four down mode. You can operate so much more confidently and you have so much more flexibility with your play calling if you know you have all four downs to work with, man. I think that just totally changes like the calculus as uh, as you're moving the ball downfield. Yeah, that that's what I said to one of my friends today. I'm We were talking about it and I'm like, dude, if you get the ball second, whatever you're down by, yeah, you have four downs every time. You Basically, all you need to get is three yards of play at that point. Like, dude, it's such an advantage for the offense to know that. Like, it, it, it puts the defense at such a disadvantage and the offense at a huge advantage because, I mean, they're yeah, no matter what, they're going for it on fourth down every time. Like, there's there's no no three-down scenario until you get into field goal range. And I'm, I knew when the Chiefs got the ball back, they we are not getting a field goal attempt. They are going for the fucking yeah, throat. They now. looked in total control. Niners defense was, you know, justifiably worn out. And they, I mean, dude, the Niners defense did a great job. Despite what we said about, you know, Dre Greenlaw's backup coming in and uh, stinking the joint up. End of the day, they held Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to 19 points in the Super Bowl. You got to feel like the majority of times that's going to be good enough to win it. Yeah, but the um, so it's our first time seeing the new overtime rules in action. What what were your thoughts on it, man? The new the new overtime format for the playoffs. I loved it. I thought, well, no matter what, even without the these new rules, it still wouldn't have mattered because the 49ers kicked a field goal. So it would have still been the same either way. But I don't know, man. I just. Dude, I I know we just talked about Dan Campbell last week, but dude, kicking a fucking field goal from the nine yard line in overtime. I don't know. Man. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, dude. I I mean, if you feel like you're if if you're confident your defense can hold them to a field goal, why not? I mean, the Chiefs only scored one touchdown all night prior to that. I I get it, man. Like, go for that touchdown to to at least give yourself a shot, but. I I can't beat. I think Andy Reid coached better than Kyle Shanahan. I don't think this loss is on on any of those decisions, man. Because, dude, even if you get the touchdown, like then what? Do you go for two? Because, like we said, the Chiefs already said they were scoring and going for two. I think regardless of what the Forty ers did that first drive in overtime, I think the Chiefs were winning the Super Bowl, man. Like we said last week, it felt inevitable, and I think that any any doubt of it being inevitable like kind of went up in smoke the second half of that uh, uh, of that game. So. I don't know. Like I said, I did, Andy Kyle Shanahan definitely got out coached. Let me be clear on that, man. Like Andy Reid coached a better game than him, but I, I don't really hang this one on any of the Niners, man. I think it was just the Chiefs' day. You know, you had that fluky punt return, a couple of penalties here and there, but I think it was just a well played game, and the Chiefs ended up on top. See, man, I don't agree with that, dude. I I seriously think what the Forty ers did to start off the third quarter lost them that game, dude. McCaffrey did not run the ball until there was five minutes left in the third quarter. That was the the first touch he got, the first carry he got in the third quarter was with five minutes left in the third quarter. They had had the ball twice before that time. Like, dude, I I don't – Kyle Shanahan's a fucking idiot, man. He's had double-digit leads in three Super Bowls, and he's refused to run the ball in every single one of them. So McCaffrey had – he rushed the ball twice in the third quarter. Twice. Yeah, though going going away from the run in the third quarter definitely definitely hurt. But 
I don't think I made a difference on them winning or losing the game, dude. Like what? We were just talking about how many times McCaffrey was ripping off four or five yard runs. Dude, your quarterback has no fucking time and you're dropping him back to pass every play. It definitely had an effect on the game. They went three and out three times in the third quarter. Like, dude. So if they're if they're running it more, what do you think they get what another touchdown or another field goal or something? Like I just well, no I feel like what, the Chiefs will still would have won, man. Man, dude, we talk about this all the time. What is the best way to stop the Chiefs? Keep Mahomes on the fucking sideline. Run the ball. Run the clock as much as you can. They did it in the first half to fucking perfection, dude. They gave up three points. Like, they they did exactly what they were supposed to do in the first half. And then in the second half, Shanahan's like, ah, fuck it, scrap it. Like, I, I don't know, dude. I, I think what the way Shanahan coached was, was the reason they lost. I, and he's done it three times now. It's not like this is like the first time he's done this. This is the third time he's done it. And every single time it's gonna it was because he refused to run the ball in the second half. Like, dude, how many times does this have to happen before you learn? Like, I, this is like the definition of insanity. I I can't believe you're giving Shanahan no blame for this loss. Like I I said he got out coached, man, but I don't think they lost the game because of that. I don't think that would have swung him. Even if they pounded the rock the entire third quarter. I still think the Chiefs would have found a way to come out on top, man. I mean, they like you, you said, they were so much worse the second half. They scored almost the same amount of points. They scored 10 points the first half. They scored nine points the second half. Um, I don't, I don't know, man. I, yeah, I definitely would have liked to see Christian McCaffrey get the ball a little bit more in the third quarter. But at the same time, dude, maybe they were feeling like they needed to get a big play because he was he was getting four, five, six yards. But they, I think there was only like one time all night that he really kind of broke out in the open field. Um Bro, they had they had almost 250 yards of offense in the first half and like 130 in the second half in overtime. Like you can't tell me that that's Right, but look at the time of look at the time of possession though. They they didn't have the ball nearly as much in the second half, man. And yeah, because end of the day, the first fucking you know, dude, the first three drives of the third quarter, this is the play calls. Incomplete pass to Debo. Rush for McCaffrey 8 yards. Oh wait, wait, wait. Hold on. That's the wrong quarter. Third quarter. Okay, so the Chiefs got the ball first, got picked off. Then we get Brock Purdy, incomplete pass. Brock Purdy, incomplete pass. Brock Purdy, rush for four yards. Punt. Like, that that's not a winning formula, dude. There, there's no way you're going to convince me with how much the Chiefs' defensive line was shredding the 49ers' offensive line that the strategy for the second half should be, let's let Brock Purdy drop back to pass and let him get flustered because he was clearly flustered after halftime. Like you could fucking tell. I mean, he was, he was not getting a ton of time, but he also wasn't making good throws that were even going to get close to getting caught. Like, I don't know, man, I, I think Shanahan blew this game. Like, I don't, I get it. You you don't have to agree with everything I say. That's the beauty of this. But I think the way he coached in the second half lost in this game. I third, third quarter was rough. I thought fourth quarter, fourth quarter in overtime, we're fine, though. I mean, Brock Purdy got it together. And, dude, for what we see, Kyle Shanahan's like almost fully an offensive coach. Defense does his thing. He runs the offense. Bro, the offense walked off the field with the lead in with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter and in overtime, dude. Brock Purdy walked up. Both times Brock Purdy walked off the field, his team was winning. Um, and they just needed one stop from the defense, and the defense couldn't get it done. So I don't think this one's on Shanahan, dude. I think there's a little bit of, of blame to go around the entire 49ers team not getting this one done and i think more than that i think it was just the chiefs winning man bro i'm gonna tell you what the time of possession for the game was and remind mind you that how much the time of possession in the first half was for the game 
38-31 for the 49ers, 36-26 for the Chiefs. Like, dude, they they completely went away from what the, what worked in the first half. That's that's all I'm saying. They whether or not you want to acknowledge it or not, that's exactly what happened. They went away from what worked and that's why they lost. I'm I'm sorry. There's there's no other way to look at it. Their defense was gassed. And yes, they did walk off the field twice with the lead. Their defense was absolutely gassed. You said it. You know what makes it? So you get your defense on the sideline, run the fucking ball, and run the clock. Dude, going three and out in 40 seconds ain't helping anything. I'm sorry, dude. I just Them just letting 40 seconds go off the clock and then putting their defense back out there, it killed them in the end of the game. Third quarter. But they were never in a possession to just. When were they ever in a possession to just run the clock, dude? Like their the I'm ten point saying, lead they had was I'm not halfway saying, through the second quarter. Like they were they were they had to stay in attack mode the entire second half. Bro, they were up ten points in the third quarter. They had plenty of time to to go into fucking run. They, were, they weren't up ten points in the third quarter. They were up ten three at halftime. Then it went ten six. Then they were down. They were down thirteen to ten. And traded scores, dude. They 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 were up 10-0 in the oh yeah 10-0 in, in the, the second, second quarter, quarter 10-0 in the second quarter. Yeah. right, I, dude. I just I don't know, man. It, the the same thing keeps happening every time Kyle Shanahan's in the Super Bowl and people act. You're right. No, I'm right there with you, dude. Yeah, he's the, until he wins one. You know, he's he's kind of got the he's the Andy Reid of this generation, dude. You know, that was Andy Reid's thing for the longest time, dude. Can't win the big one. Think about all those NFC championships that they lost, and they lost the one Super Bowl. He made it in Philly. Um, I'm still a believer, man. I think he's a good enough coach that eventually the chips will fall the right way. I mean, they've made it to the final four, four out of the last five years, made the two Super Bowls. Um, dude, I think he's had bad luck. I mean, one of those years was a Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback. Like that was just, I think that was the mirage of a season, if anything, dude. And yeah, man, like they, they definitely should have ran the ball more. I agree with you, man, but I don't think that puts this loss solely on, on Kyle Shanahan. I mean, dude, I just... I, I don't know. I just, I, I guess like the, the shine of Kyle Shanahan is beginning to fade away for me. I just, he's a great regular season coach. Like <laughs> they've made it, dude, they've made it to the conference championship again, four out of the last five made the two Super Bowls. How is he a regular season coach? This dude's never gone one and out in the playoffs, man. Okay. Well, what do you get for getting second place? Same I mean, thing, to- you get, dude. You hang a banner, you get a trophy for that, dude. I would love. I, I would. I mean, if I would take that all day. If if you tell me like, hey, here's what's you, no promise on anything else, dude. I'll tell you this though: your team is going to make it to the conference championship for the next five years. Who's not taking that deal, man? Like, uh, they've still been the second. I mean, I think they're the second best team besides the Chiefs for for this era in the NFL, dude. They just and if it wouldn't have been for Patrick Mahomes, I think they win the Super Bowl. I think if they're playing any other team yesterday, they do win it, man. But they just. They had like the the freaking new Tom Brady, the most clutch guy in football, one of the most clutch guys we've ever seen before on the other side of the ball. I mean, you can make every excuse in the book, dude, but the, the here's the fact. They've been to three Super Bowls in the last 12 years and they have zero. They, they haven't won a Super Bowl in 30 years now. Like, dude, I, I just I don't get it. Like everybody's talking about this, like the 49ers are like a dominant team. Dude, they haven't won a Super Bowl in 30 fucking years. They're, they're just like the Cowboys. It's been 30 years, dude. Like at at some point that has to mean something like I, they've dominated the NFC dude i mean yeah they haven't won at all but they've they've definitely been the dominant team in the NFC over the last half decade and but, like dude i'm looking at the stats right now christian mccaffrey got the ball 13 times in the second half man like dude okay so let me ask you this w- what are the buffalo bills known for like what are they known for 
they're known for losing the four straight Super Bowls, man. Exactly. But it's also and does anybody if you think about it think, though? It's hella any, impressive that they do you think any the Buffalo Bills fan is wearing a sweatshirt that says four straight a- AFC championships? No. <laughs> not a single fucking soul is wearing anything that says, Hey, we went to the Super Bowl and lost. Like that'd be like me. And those teams love it, dude. The the K Gun team, dude, Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, those teams are beloved in Buffalo. They man. are beloved, like, but nobody's wearing that uh, shit, is what I'm telling you, dude. That nobody is fucking proud of that. Yeah, they love the players, but nobody is proud of that. Dude, you think I'm ever gonna fucking wear something that says 2016 NFC champions? You're on fucking <laughs> drugs, dude. Like I mean, yeah, I think celebrating the actual conference championships kind of lame, but you can still look back fondly at those teams, man. Like I love I love those 16 Falcons. I love the the 2012 Falcons. Hell, I love the 2010 Falcons. They got boat raced by the Packers, man. I think that's a problem with sports fandom, dude. If if you're basing it all on Super Bowl or bust, dude, you're gonna end up sad almost every single year you're watching sports in your lifetime. What, Even if you're a Patriots or a Chiefs fan, dude, you're still most years are gonna end up bad. You gotta celebrate the good, man. And the Niners had a great fucking season, dude. Like they were a razor's edge away from winning the Super Bowl, man. Like I, I still think this season was a smash success for them by by any measure, dude. The, dude, the problem is, is you only get a certain amount of window for winning a Super Bowl. They're about to run into salary cap hell. Like, dude, I'm telling you, this is a bigger loss than you're making it out to be. They're about- no, it's a devastating loss. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's a devastating loss. I'm not saying that. I just, I don't think you can put this all on Kyle Shanahan. He's definitely got a slice of it. But I, I, I think saying that he lost his team the game is, is a little strong, man. That being said, yeah, he's got the reputation now, dude. You know, Bill, we like to say Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. And he's 0-3 in the Super Bowl now as a coordinator or a head coach. So uh, I'm right there with you, man. Like, he's he's always going to have that bugaboo on his record until he wins one. But last night I thought it was just a good play game. I mean, if that punt return doesn't bounce off the back of the guy's shoe, the Niners probably win. I mean, can't... the one touchdown the Chiefs scored in regulation was off of that man, off a, off a short field after that turnover. Okay, well, if Jalen Hurts doesn't fumble the ball backwards last year, the fucking Eagles win. I don't think that's bringing any solace to any Eagles fans. Like, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I'm just trying to. I'm. I'm just trying to pull Kyle Shanahan. You know, at least a little bit out of the fire that you're. Uh, nah, you're throwing him in nah, right now. He, he deserves to be in the fire, dude. <laughs> I mean, dude, this, is, this is starting to sound personal. It is personal, dude. Like, how many fucking times can a dude blow a 10 point fucking Super Bowl lead before people are like, all right, dude? I'm picturing you with the uh, last night, see that with the Jesse Pinkman meme. Like, how can he keep getting away with this? I, I mean, seriously, I just don't get it. Like, I, no, I'm with like, you, dude. It's crazy, man. And I, trust me, dude. I guarantee you. Yeah, I couldn't imagine going to sleep as, as him last night, dude. Like, that's got to make you sick, man. I, I I feel like that after I lose a fucking game of Madden when I blow the lead, man. I couldn't imagine. I mean, this is your life's work, which you dedicated to. Like, you know, your dad won two Super Bowls. Like, think about how amazing it would be to, you know, to to win one, man, with these stakes. And, and it happened. You're right. It happened again, dude. They had the lead. They had control of the game and end up freaking losing it, man. But, uh. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's rough. And you're, it, the other thing, like you mentioned, dude, if we want to go and start taking a glance at next season, I, I looked at it today. The Niners really have one more year left with this group before they uh, they they guys are making some moves, man. Like it looks, Debo is most likely gone after next season, man. Unless there's some major restructuring, they're gonna have to do some contract restructuring this off season just to be able to bring everybody back. But it looks like they should be able to bring most everybody back for next season. But that's it, dude, because, you know, the, a couple of these guys are going to be due for new contracts. Brock Purdy's going to have to have some sort of contract extension. And uh, it, it's it's going to be a different Niners team taking the field in 2025. 
the other problem for them, and I said this to somebody last night, like, dude, if you're paying Debo Samuel $28 million, what do you got to pay Ayuk to stay there at this point? Because I think they got a hard decision to make, man. Like, Debo's like, you got to look at, I think he does provide some of that, like, intrinsic value, right? He's like the tone setter, right? Give kind of gives him the swag, the attitude. I think Ayuk's the better player on he the is. field right now, though. And... I don't know, man. I, I the one thing they may have going in their favor, dude. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think Debo. You know, Debo's getting something like almost thirty million a year from the Niners. I don't think another team's paying him that because I don't think another team would use him the way that the Niners are going to use him. So maybe you know, maybe he's got a smart agent that says like, hey, maybe we take a little less to stay with the Niners, and it's still going to be more than we get on the open market because. He's a really unique player, especially with the way the Niners use him. And as physical as he plays, I can't imagine him aging well over the next you know, four to five years. So I think he's going to be 29 at the start of next season. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with Debo. I do think he's important to their their team. He's almost like the kind of like Draymond Green type. You know what I mean? Like doesn't bring necessarily as much as they used to once the actual game starts, but just does a lot for just the kind of the the mental aspects of the, of the team. Um yeah, dude, it's next year they got to win it, dude. It's 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 Super Bowl or bust for the Niners next year. Yeah, I, I guess that's just kind of where I'm at. Like, I watched these Niners fans last night and how heartbroken they were and stuff, and I'm just like, dude, I, I know what you just said about them going to four straight NFC Championship games. Like, it still ain't promised Sucks. next year, dude. You're you're one injury away from your season being over. Like, yeah, that's the reality yeah. of the NFL, man. You're you're literally one injury away from being done for the season. Like, it's just, I don't know. I man. was on 49ers Reddit today, and they said last night. You know, a, a big thing I was seeing from a lot of the fans was that that loss last night kind of they felt like it kind of changed the image of the team because you know the Niners are up there in royalty. I mean, if they oh, yeah. won the Super Bowl, they tied with the Steelers and Patriots for most Super Bowls ever. And they never lost the Super Bowl, man. Prior to 2012 when they went with Colin Kaepernick, yeah, they they never lost. And they say now we're like one of the teams that loses Super Bowls, right? We're up there with like, you know, the Vikings, the Bills, teams like that that have been a bunch and lost because this is three straight they've lost. You know, they lost in 2012 with Kaepernick, 2019 with Kyle Shanahan and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, and then, yeah, last night. So three straight Super Bowl losses in the last decade and change for the Niners. Yeah, it's it's not good for them. Like, I don't know, man. It they got a lot of tough decisions to make. They obviously need to bring in more offensive linemen, which yeah, with the amount of cap space they have, I don't know how they're gonna do that. Like, dude, they're gonna have to get really creative with what they're doing, or they're gonna have to trade somebody, man. Like I don't I'm know. not smart enough with like the O line play and scheme and stuff to know if it was just the players or if they were just getting straight up out scheme. But yeah, dude, it seemed like any obvious pass situation, they were just teeing off on Brock Purdy, man. He would have like, you know, a half second, maybe a second to make a decision and, and get the ball out. Like they just, they had, they had no shot. No, you're, you're, it's not scheme or anything, dude. Like the, they have Trent Williams and then they have nobody else. Like that's, that's their problem because they're running the same scheme that the Falcons ran when Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. And that scheme is extremely player friendly. So like a lot of against lesser teams, like you can get away with it a lot, but you don't necessarily got to have like studs at every single position on the O-line, right? No. Cause I mean, dude, outside of Alex Mack, like, yeah, Jake Matthews is a good player. He's, he's a really good player, but I don't think he's like one of the elite left tackles in the NFL. And 
Like yeah. Alex, I feel like if you're going to run this through the scheme that the 49ers run, you have to have a, an elite center because the center can get everybody just in the right position. You know, like when you have Jason Kelsey, you know, your offensive line is going to be in the right position, whether or not they make the plays is on them, but you know, they're at least going to be in the right position to make the play. So I don't know, man, it, that yeah, last night I their offensive line didn't even look like they knew what they were doing. Then again, dude, they didn't look that much better against Detroit either. It was just no, like, I mean, hot. Aiden Hutchinson was just destroying his guy every play. It's just it's just one and of those really against things. the Packers, dude. The Niners' offense is explosive as they were all year. They had a rough playoffs, man. Like you take away take away that one. Um, you know, take away that that just heater that they got on against Detroit. The offense did not look great in the playoffs. They they would get it together in the fourth quarter and put some stuff together, but they were very up and down. And yeah, I think you're right. I think I think it comes back to that O line, man. I thought Brock was was good enough. Yeah. I, I I think if I think you're totally comfortable with him being the guy there. Um, you know, maybe not for you know the the, the lifetime, but I think at least the next three four years you're in good hands with him. I thought he kept his composure. Wasn't the great, you know, it wasn't the greatest quarter, uh, greatest Super Bowl ever played by a quarterback by any means. But I thought he really he stood in there and went toe to toe with Mahomes. Ended up with a higher, uh, you know, Pro Football Focus graded him out as a better game than Patrick Mahomes. He didn't throw um, a pick. Yeah, I, I think if you got if you're looking for silver linings as a uh, as a Niners fan, I think Brock Purdy was was great last night along with Christian McCaffrey, who was just like you said, man, it, give him the ball some more times, dude. You know he. He seemed like he just gets forward momentum every single carry. He's all world, dude. There's there's no other way to describe it. Christian McCaffrey, like the things that he does on a football field is just absolutely incredible. I mean, you know it's coming and you still can't stop it. Like he's just he's unreal. That trade was God damn, dude. The what a shit franchise the Panthers are. Got fleeced <laughs> on I mean, dude, th- this dude is arguably going to be the best running back of our era. And look at the yeah. running backs that are in this era right now. I think, like, he got, I think he got the baton from Derrick Henry, dude. He's definitely the man now. Like, he just – he's got a way of – like, it seems like he is getting, like, across the line of scrimmage and getting positive yardage so quick, man. And, like, he's just constantly moving forward. Even when he's waiting for the blocks to develop, it's like he's still – Moving forward, picking up yardage, it just it, it just looks good every time he gets the ball. Dude, just think about that. In one calendar year, the Panthers traded their best player on in the franchise for a second, third, fourth, and fifth round pick. And then they turn around and trade their first round pick last year, the number one pick this year, and their best offense or second best offensive player in DJ Moore to the Bears. And now they have Bryce Young and they already fired their coach because their owner is a complete idiot. Like, dude, if I was a Panthers fan, you are in absolute hell right now. They're at the opposite end of the spectrum from the uh, like the Texans fans right now, dude, where the you know future's so bright, you got to wear shades. Yeah, the, the, there's no it, it's like they dropped like an atomic bomb in the middle of that stadium. That's the only reason you need to wear shades, because it's just <laughs> it, it's imploding everywhere. I yeah, it's not good. Um, but we'll, we'll talk. So we about- went in on the on the Niners, man. I think we kind of gave our outlook for them for next season. What's got to happen, dude? Scary thing for the NFL. This was like a down year for the Chiefs, man. Yeah. Kind of like a hard down year. Like think about how we were talking about them as recently as like six or seven weeks ago, and they won the freaking Super Bowl, dude. Bro, you, you, uh, I actually came to like an epiphany yesterday about this team. They literally are doing the exact same thing that the Patriots were doing early in Tom Brady's career. 
not yeah. paying a ton of money on offense outside of outside of the quarterback and their their tight end, obviously. Um, but they're just kind of getting run of the mill guys on offense, but they built an elite defense. And if there's one thing Belichick proved is you can win with a, a really, really great quarterback and a really, really great defense. And that's the formula they've built, man. Like their defense ain't going to get worse next year. It's going to get better. That's the Bro, scary. They traded the best wide receiver, arguably, you know, you flip a coin between him and Christian McCaffrey, the best offensive playmaker in the NFL with Tyreek Hill and went on to win the next two Super Bowls. And the weird thing is, is their offense was not better in either one of those years. It was it was statistically yeah. worse in both years, but they built an elite defense, dude. They just I don't know, man. Yeah. It's I think the scary thing is within that within that formula, they definitely got room to improve the playmakers on on offense, man. Like it's I don't know, dude. It's it sucks, dude. If you're uh especially if you're in the AFC, it sucks, but Really, if you're in the AFC West, it's just like, fuck, dude. Let me just check out on like the next decade of being a fan and I'll come back in, you know, 2033 and see what things are looking like. So they got, they don't have very much cap space either. So they'll have to get creative as well. Um, the one good thing for them is, and I didn't even think about this last week, dude. I, I don't know why this didn't get brought up, but now they'll be going for a three peat next year. We did not even talk yeah. about this. So it's guaranteed, it's guaranteed Kelsey and Reed are coming back now. I think next year is both of those guys last year, though. I think, like, next year is their swan song. Like, they're going to try to go for yeah. the three-peat, and if they get it, th- I, I think they're done whether they get it or not. I, I think what a, perf- what a perfect way to go out, too, man, getting a three-peat. It's something that's never been done in the NFL. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting, but I don't know, man. I, I think the NFL next year is going to be – I think it's going to be deep and it's going to be good, dude. The The young teams that made the playoffs this year are just going to advance that much more. So I wouldn't just like write off the rest of the NFL yet. Like I think next year is going to be pretty special, honestly. I mean, this year was great, dude. I mean, shit, the Chiefs were underdogs their last two playoff games and they were only two and a half point favorites against the Dolphins, dude. I mean, they went on the freaking... They just went on, on on the roll. Dude, no, they to, were underdogs in their last three games, bro. They were underdogs. Yeah, true. Yeah. The Bills, underdogs Ravens. in the Super Bowl, yeah. man. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, with that out of the way, we're going to uh, take a, a look into the crystal ball and make some way too early Super Bowl predictions for next year. All of the lights. I wanted to get something really uh, like triumphant sounding for the intro for this segment. So that way, if one of us is right, we can clip out the audio and, and replay it next year. And it's, you know, at, at Super Bowl time, and it's just going to be freaking money. Yeah. Let's, All right. Let's uh, both start with our, our AFC team. Like we're, we're not going to do the Super Bowl matchup just yet. We'll, we'll start with who we think is coming out of the AFC first. All right. You go first. Um. I did. Going for a three-peat, I, I really, really find it hard that they're not going to make it back, honestly. Um, but just not to be, like, going with the, the easiest pick ever, you know. I'm, I'm not going to go with the easiest pick ever. I, I think the Ravens are going to get there next year. I think I think the Ravens are good enough. Um, granted, I mean, there's no way they ever have a playoff game again where they only hand their running backs the ball six times, right? Like... 
that had to have been a learning moment for for John Harbaugh, right? Like, there's no way they're ever doing that again. I am sticking in the AFC North. I'm going with a team that didn't even make the playoffs this year, man. They uh, they got attitude for days, man. They were actually really starting to round into form before their starting quarterback got hurt, and they got the swag. They know they can go in in the playoffs and win in Arrowhead. I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to make it back to the Super Bowl next season. I think they find a way to keep T. Higgins in the mix, add a few key pieces, man, and I think they come out nasty next year, dude. I think Joe Burrow is going to be ready to set the league on fire. There, I got faith that they're going to get over this thing where they just, you know, keep it in neutral the first four weeks of the season. I think we see the Bengals come on strong next year and make a return trip to the Super Bowl. See, the T. Higgins thing makes me nervous, dude, because he's they've basically already said he's going into free agency either way. Dude, one of these teams that has no receivers is going to offer that dude like $35 million a year. And, dude, it's pretty tough to pass up $35 million a year. Like, you you might not be in the greatest situation ever, but dude, thirty five million dollars a year for five years is like life changing money. So I don't know, man. I I think this was the the Bengals had a window because they had everybody under contract on rookie deals, and they got to pay Jamar Chase next year too, which he's going to get the highest salary ever for a wide receiver. I mean, that's coming one hundred percent. Yeah. So you got to imagine they're going to have almost a hundred million dollars wrapped up in salary between Burrow and Chase, like. Dude, they're going to just have to like keep resetting it every year and having a rookie wide receiver and they're like Higgins is really important to what they do, man. I think they're I think they're going to miss him if he leaves. But even if he does leave, my prediction stands, man. I I think I think the Bengals make it next year. They're good. You you go first for NFC. Uh the Niners are going to be right there in the mix, man. They're still going to be loaded for at least one more year, but I think a team that came on strong Take the Niners to the freaking limit. I think the Packers, dude. I think I think what we saw in the second half of the season from Jordan Love was really, really special. I think Matt LaFleur is a great coach. Their defense was kicking ass too, man. Like they had a they they had a knack for giving up game winning drives, but the defense was really good. I think they get that, you know, whatever little wrinkle in their scheme was allowing that to happen so much this year. I think they get that closed. And I think we see the Packers make a return to the Super Bowl. And I, and I picked the Bengals to win. I'm picking Bengals over Packers. Yeah, I'm going, that that's when my that's how bold I'm going to be. I say the Bengals are going to finally win a Super Bowl next season. I'm going to go with with the team that should have beat the 49ers with a 20 point lead. I'm going to go the Lions. I think I think that this season was like huge for them because it showed them what they can be. Obviously, and I also think it's going to help Dan Campbell in the long run. Man, like nobody's saying this dude's not a good coach. Like we're, we're not, not one person is saying that it's just, they wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for him. Adjust like maybe your mindset a little bit in the bigger games, you know, like maybe don't go for two, seven straight times. Like maybe j- just adjust, <laughs> just adjust it a little bit. And I think you guys are going to be fine. Um, God, dude, they return everybody too. And they have a ton of salary cap, if I remember reading that right. Like they they have a ton of cap room. So I'm gonna go Lions, man. I just I think they're built to win, and they got the right coach. And I just feel like everybody's buying into it. They got Ben Johnson back, which was a gigantic happening. Like their off season's already a success just by keeping him. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go Lions, and I'll, I'll say Ravens over Lions in the Super Bowl. 
Yeah, I, I thought about the Lions. I feel like that loss was so devastating. There might be a little bit of uh, a residue on it from next season. But yeah, good pick. So we'll see. So we got Niners, Ravens, and Packers, Bengals. I was same as you, man. I I was, I was I was I went for a jog today, and I was kind of thinking this out on my jog, and I'm like, just pick the Chiefs. But we we got with it. That's just too boring. So we'll we'll at least caveat our picks with that. That we both agree that you can't pick the Chiefs, right? Yeah, yeah it's. We can't pick a team that just won back-to-back Super Bowls, dude. That, that would be the most boring thing ever. We both obviously yeah. know there's a greater than 50% chance that the Chiefs go back to the Super Bowl. but Yeah, if I'm laying money down, it's not the Chiefs, but we, we're, we're looking to stoke some conversation. Yeah. All right. I uh, So we'll get into, get into the mailbag. Our buddy John Swallow says uh, he had two questions we already discussed. He asked if the Niners should have kicked in overtime and what was the game-changing moment. So I already went into that. Uh, Sam Rosenthal says, do you think Taylor re-signs with the Chiefs? How many touchdowns did Kelsey score after the game? Uh, I don't know. I don't know how many touchdowns he scored after the game. Uh, will they still be together next football season? Let's go down that. But opening day 2025, Jordan, will Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey still be a thing? Yeah, but somebody brought this up today too. Like, if this dude is going to travel with her for all of her concerts, which I'm assuming he will, like, Dude, that's not very much rest in the off season, man. Like that's a pretty fucking extensive like off season, you know. Which I mean, I think he's gonna obviously do it. Like he's not gonna miss any football related activities, but I think he's gonna go to as many as he can. Um, yeah, I still think they're together, but uh, that's gonna be a hell of an off season for Travis Kelsey, man. I'm gonna go out there and say that. They don't last, dude. Like, kind of, she's known for like the short fling relationships. The the six year relationship she was in before this one with Travis Kelsey was definitely the exception. I think the the buzz from the Super Bowl season starts to fade, and some of the the PR, you know, magic that that kind of fed into this whole thing starts to fade. I say they're not together come 2025, man. And like, I you knowing her, dude, I think like the night before opening night, she's gonna drop like some banger of like a breakup single. Eighty seven, call it eighty seven. Uh, hey one one thing like and i don't ever get into like this because i i always think like public displays of affection are fucking weird like i i've just always been kind of weirded out by that like it looked so fucking awkward like when they're like kissing on the field and stuff like oh dude i didn't want to get into it either but yeah so you know i i kind of said back when this first thing was happening i thought this whole thing was fake and like a pr stunt dude and I had kind of started to fade that just from how they've acted and stuff, dude. Seeing that last night, yeah, dude, it looks staged. It looked like there was like zero chemistry. It looked very forced, right? Bro, there is no fucking way. I'm telling you right now, there is no goddamn way. If I just won the Super Bowl, there is zero fucking chance I'm going in closed lip kiss. Like, we're almost yeah. banging on the football field. Like, people are going to wonder what's wrong with us. Like, it looked very controlled, oh, dude. It looked like, so yeah, weird. Dude, it, it was very weird. It was like the most awkward fucking thing ever. Like, I don't know. Just like the hug and everything just looked like so forced and awkward. Like, I don't I'm know. with you, dude. I mean, we'll we'll throw out the benefit of the doubt, dude. Like there were, you know, literally, I, I've never, uh, you know, kissed Sheena or hugged Sheena with hundreds of cameras right around me and knowing that basically the entire world is watching. So maybe that kind of just throws your vibe off. But dude, I agree 100%, man. It looked, 
it, I think that was fuel for the fire for all the people that that firmly believe that this thing is all just a gigantic publicity stunt, man. I, I think it was it was right there for you, dude. If if that's what you think, dude, because yeah, I, I agreed a hundred percent, dude. It was so weird. But l- let's talk about because one thing we, we can't move on from the Taylor thing. Let, let's talk about who the star of the Kelsey Swift boxes. Jason Kelsey is a goddamn star, dude. Like yeah, he's the man. Dude. He, he is, needs to be on one of the pregame shows next season. Dude, he he is literally one of the most likable people ever. Like I don't I don't think you could like someone more than I like him. And his wife, the real fucking MVP, shows up in a Chiefs box. She ain't wearing no goddamn Chief shit. She's wearing a Bearcats fucking sweater. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> you know the philly fans love that dude oh yeah dude she's th- those two are absolutely incredible and jason kelsey being hammered at the nightclub last night in a luchador mask like <laughs> drumming on the drums like dude what a fucking hero that, that's what i came out of this playoffs with is a i already love jason kelsey but like i think it, it got notched up after this playoffs honestly yeah, he's a man, dude. Probably, I wouldn't be surprised if he's first ballot Hall of Famer five years from now. Oh, he's 100% going in first ballot. All right, Zach Hertzer says, do you think this game was rigged? This one, I'd say no, yeah. man. Even though it kind of ended up, if it would have ended with a Mahomes to Kelsey touchdown, my, my radar would have went up a little bit. But like Jordan mentioned earlier, man, the refs, for the most part, stayed out of the way on this one. There were no kind of crucial penalties or anything like that. Like, you really didn't even notice the refs on this one. No, this was just a well-played game. There was no point last night where I'm like, oh, well, this game's rigged or anything like that. Like, it was just good. What I was sweating that last... Uh, I can't remember if it was, I think it was the drive in overtime, I believe, where Brock Purdy made that awesome pass to use check. And uh, he's kind of reaching out for the first down and the ball, the ball bounced out on it. I thought for sure they were going to review that and say that wasn't a catch. I was so glad that they didn't, man, because I thought that was, that was definitely a catch. Dude had control of the ball and then he was just reaching out for the first down, man. Like he, it wasn't like he was just stumbling and trying to gather himself, you know? Yeah. All right. Uh, Mike Rivera. Did you know Brock Purdy was the last pick in the draft? Did you know that dude? Had no idea. I know. Phil done it. Is it finally over? Yes, Phil. We can start watching fucking soccer or what the hell else do they do? What do they do? Like darts? What are are the other big UK sports, man? Cricket? Uh, Yeah, I think they're cricket fans. Maybe some uh, like fucking rugby, something like that. Like dog walking, like the dog shows. Yeah, that's probably that seems more like them. Probably shaving poodles and stuff like that. (laughs) All right. And last question. If uh, Mike Rivera says, if Kadarius Tony had played the last month in any of the games, would KC be champs right now? No. I really think he was the problem the whole season on offense. I mean, dude, they, they bear, I mean, it was one score games all the way against the Bills, uh, Ravens, and Niners. I guarantee Tony had one game swinging mistake in him, or at least worth one score, man, mm-hmm. a, a one score mistake in him at some point in those last three games. Also, when you say his name, you put some respect on his name. That's Super Bowl champion Kadarius Tony to you, pal. Two times, dude. God, what an absolute fucking shitbird of a fucking person. Just goes on Instagram right after your team just won the AFC. We didn't even talk about that. Goes on Instagram live and is basically like starting this whole like witch hunt. Like, I was never hurt. Yeah, we know you weren't hurt. You were hurting the team, bro. Yeah. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, who from everything we see is like a super positive, supportive teammate. Even he fucking like cut the cord on this guy. I mean, Patrick Mahomes still supports his loser brother. So, like, if if <laughs> if you had any doubts of whether or not Patrick Mahomes is supportive, that should answer that because Jackson Mahomes is an absolute fucking loser. 
Yeah, he's a weirdo, man. What a fall from grace for Tony, though. I mean, last year he was low-key, like one of the heroes of the Super Bowl to be in a healthy scratch this season. Oh, also, can we talk about one more thing about the Super Bowl? Dude, Tony Romo is fucking awful. He, Horrible, bro. He is... Dude, the first two seasons, it was good because, like, he was giving us, like, some insights and stuff, kind of like Matt Ryan was doing this year. Like, he's giving you insights to the game, like, telling you why they did this on a certain play. Now he's just annoying with every single play. That fucking thing that he does all the time when he goes, ooh, I don't know, Jim. I'm like, <laughs> dude, shut the fuck up. Like, nobody cares about you, dude. Uh, and he yeah. does it all the time. Like, he used to just do it in big moments. Now he does it all the time. You know what was my biggest groaner from the commentary last night? Ho- hopefully you were, weren't, you know, getting a refill or paying attention on this one because I know it would have drove you nuts, too. There was a throw, I believe it was in the third quarter. Mahomes completed a pass, and he got hit afterwards and was going down to the ground, and they showed the replay and get hit. And uh, the announcers, I can't remember if it was Nance or Romo, they were like, look, he was getting hit, so he's having to look up at the screen to see if it, the pass was it complete. It was Romo. I was like, no, that <laughs> motherfucker was 100% looking at the ref waiting to get the fucking roughing flag, dude. Like, there is zero chance he was looking at the screen. Yeah. I mean, good on him, dude. It's part of the game at this point. But, dude, keep it real, man. That motherfucker was looking for the penalty flag. Yeah, because even when he got up, he went right at the ref. He didn't give a yeah. shit that that ball got completed. Yeah, he wasn't even worried about it. He was trying to get that free 15. That's the one thing he – I think the biggest thing he took from Tom Brady was, dude, work those fucking reps for the roughing calls. Yep. All right, so that is a wrap for season one of the goal line. We're keeping it going in the offseason, though, man. So what we're going to do every two weeks, uh, we're going to drop you guys an episode with a little bit of news from around the sports world, and then we're going to pick two teams um, – we're going to pick two teams to kind of just do an in-depth preview, like a recap of what their season looked like last year, and then talk about our outlook for them for the 2024 season. I, you know, I was bored at uh, Brett's karate class this afternoon and kind of sketched it out. We got it sorted to where this will wrap up on the episode right before the season starts uh, next year. And we're going to do, we're going to go from worst to first. So we'll be starting off next episode. We'll be covering the commanders and the Panthers. Whoa, in depth. Whoa, whoa, so, whoa, 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 no, no, no. We, we have to do the, the teams that are in the top 10 of the NFL draft first. Cause we have to have those done before the NFL draft. So yeah, the commanders but, but and the uh, bears are picking first. So we have to start with the bears. Okay, we'll we'll I'll, I'll rejigger the schedule around. We'll make sure we get the, all the the top ten in the draft in before the draft goes. But but yeah, that's what you guys can look forward to. Um, we'll have some fun episodes mixed in. Also, if there's anything you guys want to hear us talk about, you know, as always, drop us a line and we'll make it happen. But yeah, I thought I, I truly enjoyed. It. I just want to give you you know swig of beer for you, man. I really really enjoyed doing this with you this year. Even outside of all the totally humbling support that we got from all the listeners, man, which was awesome. I just had a blast hopping on and uh, talking football with you every single week, buddy. Yeah, man, it was uh, it, it was cool. Like I, like I've said a couple times, like didn't really know what to expect out of this, and um, it, it is cool getting messages from you guys and telling us like how much you enjoy the show and um, that we do a good job because like, dude, there's a ton of podcasts that you could be listening to, so. Like the fact that you even listen to us is just, it's enough for us, man. So yeah. Um, thanks for, thanks for listening. Uh, 
Seth, thanks for being uh, the best broadcast partner I could have. I'm pretty sure me and you could replace Romo and Nance, but they would <laughs> they would have to put us on HBO because the swearing would be too much. I was going to say, if they could let us cuss. I always, I had that thought as a kid, man. If they could put uh, – yeah, I used to think about wrestling, but then also real sports. If you could have announcers that cuss and stuff, man, like how much better it would be. Dude, I think we should tell the NFL that they should redo the Thursday night broadcast, make it a mature broadcast. That way the announcers can cuss, have me and you do it. It will liven up the games because usually those games suck anyway. So, like, let us do it. We got this. I think if they really want to save Thursday night football, they should just, yeah, you're right. They should just make it like Thursday night is man's night. I think that you got guys cussing, knocking back beers in the announce booth. No unnecessary roughness penalties, right? Like, we're we're taking it back to (laughs) 1991. Taking it back to 1991 with the hits on the receivers and stuff. Anything goes on trash talk and celebrations and um and no punting or field goals allowed it's just straight up four downs fucking touchdowns and two-point conversions let's go Who who's voting no on that man uh, i'm pretty sure every quarterback in the league is voting no on unnecessary <laughs> roughness being okay <laughs> but outside of that to, uh, it would be awesome for the fans i'm trying i'm trying to make it uh you know like nfl blitz the league remember that game from a while back yeah. fucking just have the stretchers on hand because uh somebody's yeah. going out on one no, we don't need it, dude, because it's going to be anything goes with the painkillers also, dude. We're going to fucking light a cane on fucking IV drip on the sidelines. Man. Fuck, man, you know who's going to be excited is fucking Sean Payton. <laughs> Broncos, every single game will be Thursday night football. <laughs> All right, Jordan, hit us with some uh, closing thoughts and we'll get out of here, man. Man, another football season in the books. First for us again. Thanks for all the support. Uh, enjoy your off seasons. And uh, yeah, let us know if you want to hear anything. Flat on the ice, Titans on the tube, Zapper popping flies out here in the booms. I'm going nowhere. Yeah, I know the mountains got the snow, Cali's got the beach, Memphis got the soul, Atlanta's got the beach, but y'all, I'm going nowhere.